0: Hello, all you faithful and those of you that are new or are joining us just recently, welcome back to Our Father's Heart. I wanted to preface this particular episode with an introduction so that you would understand my frame of mind or the state of my heart at the time that this particular teaching was released. The backdrop of this time was 2020 during the COVID pandemic. Uh, We had a virus from China spreading throughout the world. It was affecting all nations and people. Local, city, and states in America were locking citizens down, and only what they considered essential personnel and people were allowed to work or get around while most others had to stay at home. We had citizens that were protesting this stay-at-home orders by the governor in Michigan, and they were being publicly maligned for putting themselves and others, quote, at risk of infection. And yet at the same time or right around the same time you had BLM, you had Antifa were running roughshod and unchecked in cities across America with local citizens joining in with them and their rioting, their vandalism, their looting, and even taking control of sections of cities for extended periods of time. Cancel culture was already running rampant. It was picking up steam for whoever spoke up against the national narrative deployed by the legacy media and the government. And in the midst of all of this, I was tired. I was so tired of seeing the effect that the spirit of fear was having, not only on our national populace, but more so the body of Christ. That, to me, was the most disturbing. Uh, One example is seeing people, brethren even, alone in their car, covering their face with a mask. It was so disheartening on so many levels. Another example is hearing from brethren that are actually happy and content that they are not fellowshipping in person, but via some sort of video conferencing platform. It was during this time in August uh, that I was working with leaders in trying to deal with issues that were affecting all our brethren. After having some talks with them, I ended up writing a letter on August 21st of 2020 I'd actually like to share some of that letter with you. Albeit, it'll be revised uh, for brevity, for discretion. But those thoughts that I put on paper or (laughs) on email, I think is going to give you a better understanding of where my heart was with the Lord at the time. And the following message that I received from Him that you're about to hear in this podcast. So I started my letter with the following i firmly believe that the virus is real but who it affects fatally is very small minority of the population nothing our country or any country in the world has done has stopped the spread of the virus because nothing really can you can't stop the spread of covid 19 just like you can't stop the spread of the flu vaccines will not stop it either We still have a strand of the flu running around every year causing people to get sick. All we can do is mitigate it, is slow it down by protecting ourselves from those that are sick and for those that are sick to protect us from themselves. We have always told the saints and expected them not to attend fellowship if they knew they were sick with something that was contagious, like the cold or the flu, etc. If there are those that are in fear or let's put it mildly, concerned about contracting the virus due to their age and their underlying medical conditions, I would like for them to consider some important facts. If you're at risk now because of your age, then you will always be at risk. Nobody's getting any younger. Unless a cure is developed, we're always going to be at risk because of our age. Number two, if, 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 the, if you have underlying medical conditions that you can't control, then you'll always be at risk because those underlying medical conditions aren't going away anytime soon. And then I also said, if you have an underlying medical condition that you can control or affect in some way, then wisdom dictates that you need to address those issues you can control, such as weight, your exercise, your eating habits? Are you eating healthily? So that if something like COVID-19 comes around, you won't be more at risk because you are already keeping yourself healthy. Societally, this virus is being used as a fear tactic. The messages are full of lies and it's to manipulate the masses, to control them. If we truly are the church of the living God, then why Should we be the ones propagating and repeating the lies of scientifically baseless COVID edicts within the walls of the body of Christ? We should and need to stand in truth. Psalm 91 is a particular scripture that has really impacted me during this time. And I won't read all of it, but you can go ahead and read Psalm 91, 1 through 16 on your own. And I'll just highlight the parts that really we're speaking to me. It says in verse two and three, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. You shall not be afraid. Of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday, a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. We need to teach the church to exercise their faith in God's word not disseminate the fears of the world with other members in the body of Christ. We talk so much about the doom that's coming upon the world, and yet when something like this comes around, we are responding with the same fear that is in the world and not according to the faith once delivered to the saints, faith in God, trusting in God, no matter what we see all around us. I continued in this letter and said, I would encourage us to sin like Belshazzar, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You may not know those names particularly. You probably know them better as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They all had the following type of mind, the spirit within them that said, our God, whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. So how does that apply to what is going on in this day and age? Well, simply put, as a child of God, knowing my God and his great abounding love for me, I will not walk in fear of the pestilence that is spreading across the earth. At some point during these last several months, I committed to the Lord that I would endeavor to not walk in fear as I see the rest of the world. I don't want to walk in things I don't believe in, nor do I want to teach others that they should do the same because that is not walking in faith. I know there is a real virus, but I am not going to fear what it may do to me. I am not afraid, even though I may be careful. I still trust in my God. My God is able to deliver me from the fatal effects of COVID-19. And if God chooses to allow it to take my life, then so be it. But I will not bow down in fear before it. I won't let it rob me of living out my life as He has given me with my family, nor rob me any more of fellowshipping with the saints. This is the faith we should be encouraging the saints in. Whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's, and we must walk according to faith in Him and in His Word. Now, I can't protect myself from every disease on earth, beyond what is reasonable and practical. I don't know what my brothers and sisters may be carrying that is contagious, I don't even know that they are not carriers of anything that is contagious. And since I really don't know either way, I choose to trust in my God to protect me from that which I am unaware. We do it all all day, every day, with or without the threat of COVID-19. Furthermore, since I don't know that they are sick and contagious, I'm not going to treat them as such and require or recommend them to do what the world does in their fear and ignorance? Obviously, if we know someone is sick, then we're going to take the necessary precautions, but I won't treat them as the infected walking plague of the dead. For years, there's been a minority group in our society that has wanted the elimination of plastic bags to take our groceries to the car. They preferred that we use reusable green bags. And after many years of pushing theirs, there is actually some research that shows that the usage of such reusable bags may actually be harmful. In that through usage over time, those bags may be transferring germs, mold, and the like from your groceries. In other words, they may be harboring viruses and bacteria unbeknownst to us. You may be asking, why did I bring this up? Well, does anybody know what are the effects of prolonged usage of a mask? Especially during above normal or strenuous activities? From masks that have not been cleansed from use? I doubt it. Again, I was saying all of this in 2020. Now, I can tell you for myself that I don't tolerate masks for long. One thing that I've noticed, personally, is that when I use a mask for an extended duration of time because of the heat of my breath, my nose inside and outside, it accumulates humidity or sweat, and my nose starts dripping. I start sniffling, I need to blow my nose. If I take my mask off, everything dries up, and I return to normal. Now the good thing, we're not in the peak of allergy season. Because if we were, that would be a whole different story. But this happens when I'm just doing normal things. And I'm not elevated in any way. I'm not in any strenuous activity. Now, if I had concerns about going to work or shopping or church, I would be humble enough to acknowledge that they're my concerns alone. And I need to take responsibility for them. It's my responsibility to decide for myself and my conscience' sake to do what my conscience can tolerate. If that means coming and wearing a mask so I can feel safe, then so be it. I would not be so presumptuous to think that everyone will treat this in the way that I do. Their situations can be significantly different, and so their need for protection may not be as strict as mine. We can't malign our own conscience of faith with mandates that keep coming and coming and coming. Now that's kind of a, a, an abbreviated version of my letter, but I want to fast forward to today because recently I was listening to a podcast. It was the Saturday edition of The Morning Wire and the title of it was The Failure of Face Mask from February 5th, 2022. And in this episode, they focused on mask mandates for young children. How does wearing a mask affect the spread of COVID? How does it affect children's health? How does it affect their cognitive development? And they brought up certain... Research, and one of them was based in Georgia, where the CDC stated the difference in infections between schools with and without mass mandates was statistically insignificant. And that corresponded with what they found in Florida and in New York and in Massachusetts. If we hop over the pond of the Atlantic Ocean to the U.K., The Department of Education in the UK reported that their findings of mass usage in schools were not conclusive. If we hop a little bit more over to the East in an Eastern European country called the Netherlands, well, the Minister of Medical Care, he flat out stated the Netherlands would not be imposing mass mandates because, quote, from a medical perspective, there is no proven effectiveness of masks. And then we have in North Dakota in December, they were comparing two school districts in the same county, and they found that the district with the mask mandate had a higher percentage of COVID-19 cases. So what am I saying with all this? That at best, the results are just simply inconclusive. Yet we have our CDC director testifying before the Senate that mask wearing significantly reduces COVID spread. Well, she supposedly gets this from a a study based on Arizona schools, but that study has been thoroughly refuted because it contained many serious problems and was therefore unreliable in dictating public health policy. Yet our government is still using it to dictate public health policy. Right now, we couldn't say this two years ago in 2020, but right now it is openly accepted that the cloth mask that we were buying, that we were getting on Amazon when they were taking advantage of the situation and people wanted to sell their cloth mask and their designer mask and their mask and printed with something on it, and we were all just spending our money to protect ourselves, that those have done virtually nothing to stop the spread of COVID. But honestly speaking, the medical establishment has known that even before COVID-19 came on the scene, that that was true. In 2015, during Obama's presidency, the British Medical Journal showed healthcare workers using cloth masks, and they stated, quote, moisture, retention, and reuse of cloth masks and poor filtration may result in increased risk of infection." This podcast also stated that the cloth masks provide almost 0% filtration of viruses, and they also found, quote, observations during SARS suggested double masking and other practices increase the risk of infection. These effects may be associated with cloth masks. Then this podcast went on to talk about, well, what about the usage of N95 mask on children? And it was flat out stated that even though there are some locations in our country that are mandating N95 masks to be used on children the reality is there is no child size N95 mask the FDA stated the following quote N95 respirators are not designed for children a proper fit cannot be achieved on children yet we have our government what, well, maybe not our government, maybe our local government or our local city state uh, governments, our county governments. Some of these governments are mandating that the children wear an N95 mask. Yet the science is in complete contradiction to its effectiveness for children. This podcast went on to talk about there's even some research showing that N95 mask uses for adults may not be as effective as once thought in regards to laboratory-confirmed influenza, laboratory-confirmed respiratory viral infections, laboratory-confirmed respiratory infections, and influenza-like illnesses using N95 masks. It has been found that children inhale high levels of carbon dioxide while wearing regular cloth masks. Six times the amount within three minutes. And this was published in the Journal of American Medical Association last June. They also stated that 68% of the children reported respiratory problems. We hop on, hop over the pond over the Atlantic Ocean to the UK and they had a study. And admittedly, they said the results were not conclusive, but it stated children showed lower levels of performance when teachers wear a mask. Children with autism and development or hearing issues were most impacted. And then we have researchers in Italy and Greece saying that children can't see other facial expressions may suffer learning loss as well. So I want to actually bring up a podcast, another podcast that I was listening to. And there was a Dr. Ryan Cole that was being interviewed and He was being interviewed and he was asked this question. I'm going to play it so that you can hear it for yourself because what he ended with was, I mean, it just was profoundly on the spot. And I want to share it with you. So I've been punished for speaking science, data, and truth. And at the end of the day, do I regret it? Absolutely not. I saved lives. Why do you think... There's so few
1: doctors looking at things the way you and, you know, some of the other people that were around at today's event are. Fear. Fear is the real pandemic.
0: Fear. Fear is the real pandemic. I don't know about you. I don't know what you've experienced over the last, you know, two years of this pandemic situation, but because I have heard from the Lord on this matter, I have determined for myself that I refuse to be ruled or manipulated by anyone's fear. So I hope that this following message that you're going to hear in this podcast, that you will receive it as a message from the Lord. Fear not The vision received was that of blood cells traveling throughout the body, supplying the much-needed oxygen and other nutrients to the differing members of the body to fulfill their purpose. Once the blood cells are spent, they must return back to the heart to be refilled before being sent out again and fulfill their purpose. Good morning, brethren. Uh, Those of you that are here uh, face-to-face with us and those of you here that are on Zoom, uh, we appreciate you all either tuning in or coming uh, into the into a local house of the Lord. There are many houses of the Lord all over the earth. This is not the only one, uh, but we are just a particular location of the body of Christ, and the body of Christ has many members, um, of which we all are, and he has united us in one spirit. And so we've consecrated this day to come together and to... Uh, praise Him, to worship Him, to honor Him, to give Him testimonies, and also to look into His Word and be uh, blessed and and be taught and be rebuked if necessary and be encouraged if necessary. Um, But I'd like to start off today, it's it's amazing, I I did not speak, as my family will testify to you, that I don't speak of what my messages are going to be to my family, I just don't do it. Uh, I like them to hear it or, or, or partake of it fresh like everyone else. Uh, and it's amazing that all the way down the line, uh, we were just hearing testimonies of, of the message uh, that will come forth for today. So, um, I think I, I think I'll begin with. I remember back when it wasn't too long ago. I was teaching. Um, had no concerns about the things that were going on presently right now today just not a, not not a concern well some of them but, but not a major concern and, and I remember being teaching in the class and uh, my daughter was was about to finish her high school year as a senior this past year back in March. Um, she was finishing her high school soccer season and, and uh, all of a sudden one particular business, entertainment business shut down and it was like the first domino that hit all the other dominoes and I don't know if y'all noticed it in the way that I did but in my perspective it was this one domino that started knocking everything down because we had been hearing about you know for some time how you know our president said no people can come from China he cut them off and and and, and you didn't think much of it, it was like oh okay yeah uh, it's that's fine and then you know, you heard a couple more blips here of some stuff happening in Europe and, and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, on, on a Friday afternoon, I think it was a Friday afternoon, we were told we are not going to come back to school for two weeks. We were all looking around. What? 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 That's never happened before. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, that's never happened before. Were they just shut down school? I mean, if a hurricane came, Yeah. But tornado passed through the plate, yeah, but when there's no natural calamity or destruction that's that's planning on passing its way through, and we're just gonna shut everything down and and then how it progressed into just shutting us in our own homes and 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 where we could barely go out into the streets, remember when it was there was a scarcity of cars? You could drive through town and go to Walmart and there was like no traffic period whatsoever. I mean, we've never had something like that before. And it's just unbelievable. It really is unbelievable what we have gone through. What is it, August? Five to six months. It's unparalleled. It's unheard of. I've never experienced anything like this in all my life. My message, I'm hoping and praying, that it encourages you. Because there's enough fear in this world for 7 billion people. I don't want to add on to that. But I want to encourage you and I want to lift you up and I I want to ask you to listen to some short segment and then we're going to get straight into the Word. Hopefully all of this works for them and for us. Let me see if I can play this. And just listen. This is going to be a real listening day today. So, Father, before we even get started, I want to, I want to pray, Father, that the word that you've sown in my heart, that I would be able to get it out clearly, Father, that I would be able to get it out in a way that, that everyone here that is hearing, either in Zoom or in person, can truly understand and grasp and hold on to, Father. Because I believe that this word is, is an important word, is an essential word for your body. For your people, because we've been run through the ringer all this time, Father. And it happened. It started before that. And we'll get into that, Father. But I pray, Father, that the the hearers and the listeners today would not just be hearers only. But that the word would come and grip their heart and they would become doers. In Jesus' name. Let's everybody just listen to a short, short set. Happened for
1: months. Most of, have you been to America lately? A lot of Americans. It's happened for months. Most of us have stayed close to home, we had to. So the question is, how long will this last? How long do we have to endure this? When do we get our country back? When can we live like we used to live back in February? At first, you'll remember, the authorities told us we could resume our lives when hospital admissions tapered off and we flattened the curve. The curve stayed flat in most places it never bent. So we have a new benchmark for when we can get back to normal, when we get a vaccine. Everything will be fine once we can vaccinate against COVID-19. Any of the authorities told us that. They're still telling us that. But once you get a corona vaccine, they're telling us all will be well. <laughs> but now they've changed that not you anyone. According to a new announcement from the World Health Organization, a vaccine, even if we get one, will not be the end of all of this. It will never end. You can get your injection, they'll make you get it, but you'll still be under arrest. The World Health Organization says that finding a vaccine is not the goal. Reordering a society is the goal. Quote, we will not, we cannot go back to the way things work. That's a direct quote from the leader of the World Health Organization, Dr. Tedros, who, by the way, is not really a doctor. I bet you didn't see that kind. Of... Bill Gates did, he agrees with it wholeheartedly. Earlier this month, Gates posted an essay to his personal website, which you probably haven't seen, arguing that the lesson of the corona pandemic is that the rest of us will have to sacrifice even more to save the earth from women. Just the other day, Joe Biden announced that if he's elected, you will be required to wear a mask when you're alone outside. What is going on? You know what's going on. Fear works. The more afraid you are, the more you will accept. Again, a feature of human nature. The more cut off you are from your family and your friends, the
0: more power they have to control you. Did you hear the end of that? Fear works. fear is the topic of today's message but it is not the point has anybody ever heard the acronym what fear is f e a r anybody ever heard the acronym what that stands for false evidence appearing real For me, fear is any lie that is used to manipulate others through intimidation for the ultimate purpose of domination. Elder Luther said it very correctly today. Fear is a spirit. And what I have observed over the last six months is an increasing onslaught of the ministry of fear especially in regards to the church in the U.S. But, but it's affecting everyone. It's not just affecting the church. There is a fear for anyone to speak out against anything because of the backlash that they might receive. Now, for the church, we fear speaking out against things that we know, we know that we know that we know are contrary to God's word. Abortion, gay marriage, etc., etc. You can you can make your own list. We can come together, probably leave with a list of twenty things that the church is afraid to speak of because of the possible backlash. In this earth, there's a fear of natural disasters through what? Climate change. That monstrosity of climate change causing earthquakes causing uh, natural disasters like hurricanes, causing tornadoes, causing tsunamis, like we haven't had that all Earth's history. We fear we're going to lose our job because of our spiritual or political beliefs. We fear losing our relatives to this anti-Christ culture. Some of us may fear losing our children. Some of us may be old enough to fear losing our grandchildren. We fear losing family members to death. We fear the cancel culture mob. You heard about that? Careful what you tweet. Care for what you post on YouTube. And I don't know the other social media... Platforms, but they're all over the place. And Facebook, obviously, Facebook. Careful what you post on Facebook. It was supposed to be personal, it was supposed to be family friendly. They might cut you off and say that, oh, that's a lie. You can't say that. You're not an expert. And even if you were a doctor, they cancel YouTube. The fear of the persecution of just being a Christian. We fear losing our freedoms. Not just us. There's people that are not with the Lord and they fear losing their freedoms. The fear of not supporting the present day movements. Remember on Facebook or on Twitter, you had, that there was this movement to put a black picture, put BLM, and what happened if you didn't? Oh, the mob was after you your friends were after you people that you hung out with for years they posted it their friends posted it but then you did it hey what's up with you you not with this don't black lives matter what about before before that happened Anybody know that passed this year without any fanfare this year? I believe that it passed in the month of June. It's always in the month of June. Anybody know what what is celebrated every month of June for the past several years, but not this year because of all the other shenanigans that were going on? Anybody remember? They call it Pride Month. Maybe I got the month wrong. Is it June? I think it's, a, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's June. Didn't hear anything about it this year, but hey, when it came around, in the WNBA, in the NWSL, you had to wear the rainbow colors. Your jersey had to be with the rainbow colors. And if you stood up and said, no, I'm not, I'm not with that. You weren't invited to the women's national team for soccer because you were branded a bigot, a hater. So there's a fear of not supporting the present day movements that are going on today. Obviously, there's a fear of sickness, there's a fear of, of disease, there's the fear of death. Anybody ever heard the term false narratives? Hopefully you all have heard about false narratives. They're lies that are used as a pretext to justify, to influence, and to paint a picture of a false reality in order to incite others a reaction that actually is completely unjustified. Because not all the evidence is put out there. They cut and paste and they show you a small snapshot, a picture. It's like taking a picture uh, of you, you know, maybe with a frown on your face. And one person takes that picture and tells everybody, oh, you see, he's depressed. You took a snapshot of a moment in my time, a second, and now I'm depressed. I'm dealing with depression right now. No, but they're doing with videos. But they give you small segments of videos. They don't give you the whole clip from beginning to end. Like they do with the scriptures. They take it out of context. And context is so important. Because when we take it out of context, which is what is being done and has been done for several months to the utmost is causing a reaction in people that is completely unjustified because you don't even have the whole story. So sometimes we get this new news story. Something happened here, something happened there. I said, wait a few days. Just wait a few days. I I I see that, that looks awful. I agree, but wait a few days. Let's get the whole story. Anybody ever see the video that was posted by... Probably hundreds of people about something that happened in Lebanon recently. Beirut. You remember that? That was real. You saw the fumes of fire, the fumes of smoke. Everybody's videoing it. They're gawking and aweing, like, oh my gosh, what's going on over there? And then you saw it. And then you felt it. You know what I'm talking about? The explosion. I mean, it was just on fire, on fire, everybody's on fire. And then it went, boom, and then a wave, a force just hit everyone, knocked cars that were traveling on the highway into the cement barriers. That was real. That was lit, as they say. That was off the charts. We see that in the movies and we're like, Yeah, well, whatever. I mean, that's really cool. You know, I like the action movie, but that was real. And to see the people coming out of it all doozy and woozy and and trying to get out of their cars and people coming to help and they got blood streaking down their face. Thank God our country is a little bit safer than that. But God knows what might happen in our country. The topic is fear today, but that's not the point. The spirit of fear ministers weakness. It torments one's heart. And it causes one's heart to fail. That is its ministry. That is its purpose. And in contrast to that, there's a spirit that ministers strength. There's a spirit That ministers a growing hope in one's heart and it causes one's heart to stand. Anybody remember I taught this many years ago, the acronym for stand that the Lord gave me, S-T-A-N-D, stable through adversity, not desire. There's a spirit that is a complete opposite of fear and it produces hope and it produces strength and it causes you to stand in the midst of all the things that you're going through. It's called the spirit of faith. We're going to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to talk about a story that everybody well knows. And I I say story and it's not a story. It's It's a real account it's about David versus Goliath. Everybody knows this story. The Philistines were gathering their armies against the armies of Israel and there was a valley in between them. There was a mountain on one side and a mountain on the other. And the, Israel, or excuse me, the Philistines sent out their champion, Goliath. And his height was six cubits and a span. And depending upon what historical research you look at, that's at least between seven feet and 10 feet. We can't imagine, unless we saw a a, a basketball person that was seven feet tall, we can't imagine a man that big, that tall. But, you know, when we look at our basketball players, they're skinny. Goliath was not skinny. How do I know? Well, it says here that he had a coat of 5,000 shekels of bronze. Now, some of you were in the military and you had to carry heavy, heavy weight. I don't know if you carry this much weight, but 5,000 shekels of brawn is 125 pounds of armor on a 7 to 10 foot man. He also held a spear that the spearhead weighed in itself. The spearhead, 15 pounds. This man was real. It wasn't a figment of anybody's imagination. It wasn't fantasy. He was real. And he was out there in the midst of the valley defying the armies of the living God. And challenging any Israelite to come out before him. Hey, let's save all the lives. Our armies will stay here. Your armies will stay here. Just send your one champion. It'll be just a one-on-one battle. And if I beat him, you'll be our servants. And if he beats me, we'll be your servants. That was the deal. And it says in verse 11 how they responded. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. That's exactly What a spirit of fear does to you, cause you to dismay, cause you to be confused, cause you to be greatly afraid and shrink back. But then there was this young man named David, had older brothers that were in the army that were there. They didn't stand up, but he came one day because his father sent him. He didn't know what was going on. His father just said, hey, go give your, your brother some food. And he saw this, this Goliath from Gath come and say all of these things. And it says in verse 24, when, he, when David came and saw, heard him speak all these things, how did the Israelites respond? They fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. That's the spirit of fear. That's exactly its ministry. That's its purpose. That's what it wants to do. And so he begins to ask questions. Eliab, his older brother, starts rebuking him. What are you doing here? Get out of here, you you know, you little nincompoop. What, just get out of here? And David's like, What did I do? Why, why are you mad at me? But he started speaking words that no one in Israel was speaking. And he said, what will be what, what, what done to the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? He's just asking questions. He just got there. He don't know what's going on. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And so all Israel was told to him, Well, this is what's going to happen. If you take him out, they'll serve us. If you're taken out, then we all got to serve him. But if you beat him, you get to have a wife. Because King Saul said, you can have one of his, his daughters as your wife. And David said in verse 32, he said this to Saul, because Saul began to question him about what he had heard from the rest of the Israelites. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail. That's the ministry of the spirit of fear is to cause in the end, one man's heart to fail. And to fail is to utterly relinquish your faith, your hope in God. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go up against this Philistine. I mean, he's a veteran. He's a veteran in the army of the Philistines. He's been there for years and years and years. He knows how to fight. You're you're not even, I think he was in his teens. He's not even 20. Let's just say he's not even 20. He's in his teens. He's just a little puny boy, 15, 16, 17, maybe at the most years old. He was a man of war from his youth, Saul said. But then David, in his gullibility, maybe, in in his ignorance of how serious the situation was, that you're going against a general with experience, with know-how, he knows how to fight, he's been in many battles and he survived. He says to him, I keep my father's sheep. And when a lion and a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went out after them. This is all he knew. This was all his experience. And I went out after it and I struck it and I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I caught it by the beard and I struck it and killed it. Your servant I've killed both a lion and a bear. And you know what? This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. That's faith speaking against the fear. And moreover, it says David in verse 37, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. David knew it was not his ability, it was not his strength, it was not his prowess. He knew that it was God that delivered the lion and the bear and will do the same with this Philistine. And Saul said, go and the Lord be with you. And I wonder if he said it like emphatically or if he said it sarcastically. <laughs> And questioning his ability, I'm like, "Okay, go and the Lord be with you." Uh, Yeah, I still have your brothers. You know, you'll be dying soon. But then Saul gave David armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with a coat of mail. And David, he he fastened his sword to his armor, and he tried to walk, and he he couldn't, and he tested it. I can't walk with these. I have not tested them. It means I'm not I'm not I'm not capable of, of wielding this sword and, and having all this armor on me. I, I'm not I'm not used to this. I don't know how to work with all of this stuff. I'm probably not even strong to carry all of this stuff. Probably like that 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 boy that has that sword and the sword is just scraping itself on the ground, it's so big and so heavy. And so he takes it all off. And David, in verse 40, it says, he took his staff. That's not a warrior instrument. That's not, a, that's not a, a, an instrument of war. And he went to the brook and he chose five smooth stones from a brook. You're going to battle against a Philistine. He's got a sword, he's got a shield, he's got armor, he's got a spear, he's got a helmet. And and you're grabbing your shepherd's staff. And you're going to a brook to get five little stones, David. You have no idea what you're going or what you're doing. And he puts him in his shepherd's bag. So he's got a shepherd's staff, he's got a shepherd's bag, and now he's got five stones from a book from a brook, and he's got a sling in his hand. Really, David? A sling? This is what you're going to go to battle? Goliath who stands 10 feet tall? I know he's not 200 pounds. I've been 200 pounds. I'm not anymore. But if he was 10 feet tall, he wasn't 200 pounds. I'd imagine he was close to or 500 pounds and probably not of fat, but probably of strength because he was a man of war from his youth. And so he came before the Philistine. And the Philistine looked at David and he was youth, he was ruddy, he was good looking. And he says, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And he began to curse David by his gods. He said to David, Come to me, I'm, I'm gonna give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Now, Goliath was real, there's no doubt that he was a real threat. But the lie is everything he's spewing out of his mouth. I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds. I'm going to take you out. Like mama said, knock you out. I'm going to take you out. And all of your people are going to be our servants. All of these are lies. They're boasting and threats to get you to fear and shrink back. But David, huh, David said, you come to me with a sword. You come to me with a spear. You come to me with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. You see, David had no thought of himself, of his abilities. His abilities were nothing compared to Goliath, literally nothing Anybody sees this battle, doesn't know David, doesn't know God, sees Goliath, doesn't know about Goliath or his, or his God. They see these two come to battle. Your money's on Goliath. No doubt you are going to put your money on some teenager Against Goliath with a helmet and 125 pounds of armor and this javelin and this sword and this kid doesn't even come with armor to a battle and he's got a sling and a stone and a shepherd's staff. Your money's on Goliath. But David doesn't care. Because his faith is in his God. And he says, the day, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp, of the Philistines to the birds of the air, the wild beasts of the field, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Because David was not coming to make a name for himself. David was not coming to boast in his abilities. He was coming to glorify the Lord and to give the Lord an opportunity to shut his mouth. That's faith. That faith is as applicable then as it is to today. I want all the assembly to know that the Lord does not save with a sword, He does not save with a spear, for the battle is the Lord's and He will give it into our hands. Yeah. So when the Philistine arose and he came and he drew near to David and David hurried, (laughs) he hurried, he ran to the threat. He ran to the lie because he was ready to shut it up. To meet the Philistine and David put his hand in his bag, his bag. A bag. He put his hand in his bag. He's going to war. He's going to battle. And he put his hand in the bag to get a stone. It's all he knew in his ignorance, in his gullibility, in his, his naivety. He just goes with what he knows. Everybody else would look at that and say, dude, you are crazy. You are off your, you're committing suicide, David. Come on, get back, get back. Get a sword at least. Brother, get a sword. Brother, get a shield at least. Dude, give yourself an opportunity. But no, no, David goes with what he knows. He knows his Lord will deliver him and will will give this battle into his hands with his naive, gullible material. A shepherd's bag full of stones. It says clearly in verse 50, just in case you missed it, in case you thought he took Saul's sword, it says, but there was no sword in the hand of David. He did not come with traditional weapons of war. He came only with his faith in God, a shepherd's bag, a shepherd's staff, and five stones in which he only needed one to take out this Goliath. Saints, let me ask you something. Does faith come by hearing? That's not a rhetorical silence. Does faith come by hearing? Does faith come by hearing the word of God? Yes, Yes, it does. Well, brothers and sisters, we need to take heed what we hear and how we hear. Because it has been a battle, and not just a personal battle. Maybe it's been a battle for you, but I can say that over all of these six months... Everything that I hear on the news, on YouTube, on Twitter, on any social media platform, not that I may know all of them, but anything I hear is just constantly bombarding me with a spirit of fear. It's all it does. Gets me to shrink back, gets me to question, gets me to wonder, should I say, should I not say, should I step in? You need to take heed what you're listening to. You need to take heed how you are listening to it. I challenge you today, right now, that you ask the Lord, right in your seat as I'm ministering and as I'm preaching Lord, have me hear what you are trying to say through your servant. It's not about me. I need you. We need to hear the Lord. I need you to hear the Lord. This will be a successful ministry if you will hear what the Lord is saying. Please turn to Isaiah chapter 41, starting in verse 8. We need to hear the Lord because we are hearing too much of what this world is putting out there with different false narratives of different things that are going on. And we are responding in ways that are unjustified because we don't have all of the answers and we need to hear the Lord. So listen, listen well in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8. But you, O Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham. My friend, this is what the Lord is saying to the church. So let me ask you, are you the descendants of Abraham? Because from what I read in the new covenant, the descendants of Abraham are the descendants of Abraham by faith, not by flesh. So I'm not asking if you're a Jew, but the descendants of Abraham are the children of promise, not the children of flesh. So when he's speaking to them at this time, what 3,000 years ago, maybe 3,500 years ago, you Israel, you Jacob, you, the descendants of Abraham, who is my friend, I have chosen you. Does that apply to you? Yes. That's not rhetorical. Does that apply to you? Yes, it does. Okay, then let's continue reading because what we're about to read applies to you. It applies to me. It applies to all of you out there. You whom I've taken from the ends of the earth, who I called from the farthest regions. I said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. You are chosen of the Lord. You who say that you are descendants of Abraham, you are chosen of the Lord. He has not cast you away. He says, fear not, for I am with you.
1: Do you hear?
0: Do you hear? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This isn't for the world. This isn't for Gentiles. This isn't for Jews. This is for whom he has chosen the descendants of Abraham. And if you are a child of promise by faith, then this applies to you. This is not just for the Jews of that day or the Hebrews of that day. Behold, look and see. All those that were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. Are you having trouble with people around you coming up against you? Speaking lies? The mob coming after you to cut you out, to cut you down? Listen to the promise. The promise is for you. All those who rise up against you shall be ashamed. They shall be disgraced. They shall be as nothing. Those who strive with you shall perish. You may not realize this, but that is a glimpse of the heart of God for those whom he has chosen because he loves them. Do you hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches today? going to seek them and you're not going to find them. Those who contended with you, those who war against you, they shall be as nothing as a non-existent thing. For I, the Lord God, will hold your right hand. I read that and I think of a father like like carrying the hand of, of his son like Noah does when I see Dom walking with his son. And little little, little is just walking behind him, walking all over the place, and his hand is in Dom's hands. And that's how I picture our Father. He is holding our hands through places we don't know, through darknesses we don't understand, through threats that we can't see or conceive of. And because my hand is in his hand, I need not fear. I need not be dismayed. Because my hand is in the palm of my God's hand. He says again, fear not. I will help you. He says it again. He says it again. He says it again. He'll say it a thousand times over until you hear what he is saying to you and receive what he is saying to you. Fear not, you worm, Jacob you worm, you ban of Israel, I will help you. Says the Lord and your Redeemer and the Holy One of Israel. Behold, look and see what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to make you a new threshing sledge with sharp teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and you shall beat them small and make the hills like shaft. You shall win on them. The wind shall carry them away and the whirlwind shall scatter them. You shall rejoice in the Lord and the glory in the Holy One of Israel. You. Why you? above all the other people of the earth because you Israel because you Jacob are my chosen one I will take care of you he continues this same theme in Isaiah 43 1 through 5 he says but now Thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. He's got to say it all over again. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. And because you are my possession, I will not let anything take you away from me. Nothing. Don't be afraid of those who come up against you. Don't be afraid of the spirit of fear that tries to get you to shrink back. I am with you. I am going to help you. I am going to uphold you with my righteous right hand. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Every threat is covered in all of that. But you see, you won't see that if all we do is read these words, black and white, on the screen or in our Bibles, and we really don't hear with the ears of our heart. We really don't see unless we see with the eyes of our spirit. Because these things, a natural man cannot receive of them, for they are foolishness unto him but the things of the Spirit of God are spiritually discerned. So my challenge today is, will you pray in your seat? And will you ask the Lord to give me ears to hear the message that you have for me through the servant that is speaking right now? Please let me hear what you're saying, Lord. Maybe you're sick and tired of all the fear that is plastered at you day after day after day and you don't want to walk in it anymore you don't want to have anything of it anymore well you need to hear the Lord because he's speaking loud and clear fear not I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel I am your Savior I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopian Siva in your place. And since you are precious in my sight, you have been honored and I have loved you. Do you hear? Do you hear? He loves you. And because of his love for you, he is not going to let anything happen to you. He is not going to let anything take you away from his love. He will not. It is a promise, and if he breaks his promise, then he's not God. He is God, and he is faithful to his word. Therefore, I will give men for you. I I, I will sacrifice men in order to have you. I will put them off on the side in order to have you. He said, I did it with Egypt. He said, I did it with Ethiopia. I did it with Seba because I wanted you. This is a relentless love of God that is being described here. A love of God that cannot be swayed, it cannot be turned. He passionately loves you. It's indescribable, it's immeasurable. But the only way you'll understand what I'm saying in words is if you receive in your spirit what the spirit is saying about his concern for you. He says again, fear not for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I got your children. Yeah, I'm concerned about them too. So don't fear losing your children or your grandchildren or your relatives or your loved one. I got them. Can you grab a hold of this? You know what we said on, on Friday in our Bible study, it starts with the willingness of heart. So maybe the question is not, not just can you grab a hold of this? Do you want to grab a hold of this? Because it starts with that willingness. And if you're willing to grab a hold of this, then by God, see what the Lord will do when you grab a hold of this because it starts with the willingness of heart. Do you believe that it's within reach what's being spoken of here? That it's attainable. You've got to believe that this, what God is saying, is within your grasp. Some of you know that my daughter's in in, in college and she's playing soccer. She's a freshman. And she's amidst the returners. Returners are the sophomores, the juniors, and the seniors. And, you know, they've got more experience. They're bigger, they're stronger, they're maybe faster. And, you know, she's got to make her way through it. But she said something and I don't know if she realizes that she was making a confession of faith because she's describing her battles and her situations and the psychological things going on and the drama and and the physical tasks that are going on. She says, I can't compete with them. I'm, I'm in the mix. It's not like she's off in the end of the bench, like the 30th player on the team she feels like she's in the mix and that she can make that starting 18th. In soccer, you've got 18 players, maybe 21, 22. She feels like she can be a part of that group. In other words, it's within her grasp. If she'll work at it, if she'll commit her all to it while she commits her ways to the Lord, I believe wholeheartedly that she is going to be faithful. And it's that 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 minuscule, naive, gullible type of faith, that's all that's needed. It's that little mustard seed of faith that can move mountains. Isaiah 44. Can you hear? Can you hear what he's saying? Fear not. Do you hear it? Fear not. Saints, fear not. If you hear what he's saying, then repeat it. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Fear. Fear not.
1: Fear
0: not. You got to you got to take that word. You got to encourage yourself in the Lord. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. For I am with you. Fear not. For I am with you. Fear not. For I am with you, says the Lord. Fear not. For I am with you, fear not not. For I am with you, fear fear not For I am with you, says the Lord I have redeemed you, I have called you by name Child, you are mine and though you walk through the valley, I will be there. And through the flame, fear not. Fear not. You shall not be burned. Fear not. Fear not. No way for us. You've got to hear it, saints. Brothers, sisters, you've got to hear it. Fear not. Hear me now, O Jacob, in Isaiah 44, 1 through 5, my servant and Israel whom I have chosen. Three times. In three chapters. And if he has to say it again to you today, he will say it again. But you need to listen. Fear not. The Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb, who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you Jeshurun. Jeshurun means you upright. I have made you upright. You're not an animal on all fours. I've made you to walk upright. I have called you that way. I will pour water on him who is thirsty. Are you thirsty? Or are you just satisfied? Because if you're thirsty, then there's a promise for you that he is going to give you the drink that you need. He will flood the dry ground. Is anybody with dry ground feeling like there's just something dry about them and they just need some more water? They need this rain to fall. He says, I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. You. Israel Jacob descendants of Abraham I have given you of my spirit tap into my spirit hear from my spirit he speaks only what I say they meaning they who the spirit comes upon will spring upon up among the grass like willows by the water courses One will say, I am the Lord. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob and another will write with his hand, the Lord's and name himself by the name of Israel. You see, I think we have an identity crisis in the church. Do we know who we are? Do we understand who has called us? Do we understand the feelings of the one who has called us for us? Do we understand his feelings for us? Do we understand the promises that go hand in hand with that identity and with that call? I think of all of this. And what comes to my mind is that nothing, nothing, nothing shall separate you from the love of Christ. Romans chapter 8, 31 through 39. It begins with this. What are we going to say then with these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You see, if we understand that our God is passionately in love with us and he promises that I will be with you, what do we have to fear? He is for us. He is not against us. He is not angry with us. So why are we fearing? Who can take this material, physical life from us? Jesus said, worry about the one that can take your life after this one. God, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us. He went so far as to sacrifice his own son, which was himself, don't get me wrong, God was manifested in the flesh, but he sacrificed his life for us. He purchased us with a price that we can't repay. He purchased us with his very own blood. You think he's not invested in you after that? He's fully vested in you. And he needs you to hear what he is saying to you this day. If someone comes and brings an accusation against you, it says in verse 33, who is going to bring a charge against God's elect? I remember Zechariah chapter three, Joshua, the high priest, and how the adversary, the devil, was before the throne room of God accusing Joshua, the high priest. And yet the Lord said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan, even though he was full of dirty rags and clothes. But when he rebuked him, he then told his angels, take off his garments. And gave him brand new garments. Ironed out without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. And even gave him a crown. So when we're not perfect and we're not, in case you didn't realize, God is still for us. God is still not against us. And it is God who justifies us. Not any man, no man, not one man can justify us before God. Only God justifies us. So when someone comes and tries to condemn us for the decisions that we make or the choices that we make for our family, it says here, it is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God. And what's he doing? He's making intercession. For us. So when we step out in faith and we're trying to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight, and we're trying to learn to hear him and we might stumble and we might mess up and we might get it wrong. Christ has already interceded for us. Which is why even when we're born again and have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, if we make a mistake even after that, he still saves, redeems, and sanctifies us. If, there's always that if. If we repent, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even after we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So who, tell me, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will your tribulation separate you from the love of Christ? This present distress that's all around us, that's seemingly all around us, will that separate us from the love of Christ? Will persecution, will famine, will nakedness, will peril, will soar, will pestilence, separate us from the love of Christ it says in verse 37 yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and so he says i'm fully persuaded And I may not be there yet perfectly, but I'm sure striving to get to that point where I am fully persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I told you the topic is about fear, but it's not the point. My challenge to you, my encouragement to you today is that you stand stable through adversity, not desired. That you stand like Belshazzar, like Hananiah, like Mishael, like Azariah. Probably don't know those names because those are the Hebrew names. We know them better as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But you see, we need to stand like they did because they had this this, this following type of mind, they had this following spirit with them that said, our God, whom we serve, is certainly able to deliver us from both the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand. See, that's the willingness. That's that faith that w- the wills to believe that God is able to deliver me from cancer. Our elder's wife testified a week or two or two ago that she was delivered from cancer. And so she's going to continue walking in that faith because she's already seen what God is capable of doing to her or with her, and she's going to express that to others, and hopefully they'll hear the Lord and they'll grab a hold of it and say, that's for me too, because I started today. You, Israel, you, Jacob, the descendants of Abraham. Are you the descendants of Abraham? Yes, then all of these promises are for you. Grab a hold and don't let go. We need to stand where we say, hey, God is able to deliver me. God is able to deliver me when I'm condemned, when I'm persecuted, when I go through tribulation, when I go through distress. God is able to deliver me if I get sick. God is able to deliver me if I happen to lose my job. God is able to deliver me if I have an accident. God is able to deliver me through any and all things that I might experience in this life. Got to start with a willing heart. But notice what it says right there next. After they said, God is able to deliver us from your hand. They said, O king, but if not, you hear that? O king, I just said all that I said that my God can deliver me from anything, anything, anything in this life. But if not, I and our brethren, we will not serve your gods. We will not worship the golden image which you have set up. I will not bow down and cower to the spirit of fear. Even if he doesn't deliver me from that accident, from losing my job, from that sickness, whatever. It has to start with that willingness of heart that I'm going to commit to the Lord whether he deliver me or not. And that's the attitude we need to have in our life. Daniel was told, no more prayer. Don't you be praying anymore. If you don't stop praying, you'll be fed to the lions. That didn't stop Daniel. He had that same thought. The Lord is able to deliver me from the mouth of the lion, but you know what, if he doesn't, I'm still not going to bow down and serve and worship you or your edicts. I'm going to keep worshiping my God. I'm going to keep praying to my God. You will not stand in the way between me and my God. So I say again, take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. Can you hear your heavenly father's heart beating for you? It beats for you. Everything that is going on in the restitution of all things is for you. It's not for the angels. It's not for all the creatures that he made in the earth. All the animals is for you. All of creation, all the earth is for you. Can you hear what the Spirit is saying to you today? Fear not. I'll conclude with one. Last section of scripture, Psalm 91. Ask the Lord, Lord, help me to hear what you're saying through this minister today as he reads Psalm 91. Those of you in Zoom land, turn to the scripture, Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers. Under his wings, you shall take refuge. His truth, his word, shall be your shield. And your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. We don't see real well. We don't see the things that are in the nighttime. And yet we're still told, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Nor the arrows that fly by day. Well, in the daytime, I could see real clearly. I could see those arrows and I could try to duck and I could try to dodge. But in the darkness, I can't see it. But he still says, don't fear. He's got you. He's got you. He's going to take care of you. He says, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness. The pestilence. I cannot prepare myself and protect myself from every sickness, disease, and infirmity that walks across the face of this earth. I've got to walk by faith. I've got to walk by faith. I am not going to be wearing a hazmat suit. I am going to trust in my God. And you know what? If he doesn't, like Brother Luther said it today, yeah, then it's my time to go. I get to be with the Lord now. You see, whether I live or whether I die, who, who am I? I'm the Lord's. Doesn't matter which way it goes. To God be the glory if I live and to God be the glory if I die. But to God be the glory, Period. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. You know what I'm seeing nowadays? I'm seeing so many people are dying all around us. That's our thousand. That's our 10,000. And instead of walking in faith, we start shrinking back in fear. "Uh Oh, I think it's going to happen to me now. We're supposed to read the scriptures and not respond in fear. We're supposed to read the scriptures and say, wait a second. It says a thousand may fall at your side. Ten thousand may fall at Jariah, but it shall not come to you. So why should I be fearful if there's other people dying around me? According to the word, I should not. But it begins with that willing heart. You, do you really want this? Do you really want to grab a hold of this? Lord, let your faith rise up in me, because He's given every man a measure of faith. The faith is not the issue. You not having faith is not the issue. Anybody ever exercise in the gym? You know, do some weights. All right. So when you do some weights and you do that, that bench press, and you try to max out one day, and you try to max out, I don't know, two twenty-five, and you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing and ah! and you falter at the end and somebody, you know, rescues you and lifts it up and puts it on the rack? Do you turn when you failed, quote unquote failed, and say, oh my God, I'm never going to do that again? No. You what? To do it in the future. You exercise. You exercise. So I'm, I'm, I'm challenging us all. When we read the word to exercise our faith, you got to exercise. You may actually fail when you go and quote unquote, and I say fail, quote unquote, because it's not a failure. If you step out in faith, I don't believe Peter failed when he walked on the water with Jesus. He walked on the water with Jesus. What do you mean he failed? He might have faltered afterward, but he walked on the water with Jesus. Well, we need to do the same. And just if if we happen to falter when we do that 225, we go back to the gym and we work on other areas and we work and work and then we come back and we try it again. Because that's how we exercise our faith. It's that faith is there. It's It's not that it's not there. It's there, but we need to exercise it. And hearing the word, hearing the word is great and it's nice. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing cometh by the word of God, but we not to be hearers of the word we need to be. And doing is going to exercise our faith. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord. You, my chosen, have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High. Your dwelling place. He says in verse 10, clearly, no evil shall befall you, nor shall what? Any plague. What? Any plague. What? Any plague come near your dwelling place. He shall give his angels charge over you. This is our father's heart. He's willing to sacrifice his own life to redeem you. And if necessary, he's willing to tell, hey, go take care of him and go help him. And boom, he's sending angels to go help us. So that what does it say? To keep us in all of our ways in their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, you shall trample underfoot. Why? You gotta get this. Why? Because he has set his love upon me. He loves us with an everlasting love, a relentless, passionate love that will not die, that will not quit. That will not cast us away. And because I love him, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name and he's the type of person that's going to call upon me. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's healing. That's deliverance. It's redemption. What strengthens our faith is the exercise of faith based upon his word. Faith is that unseen spiritual substance that expresses itself in our actions, in our confessions, like David. It speaks things that are not like David as though they already were. Today, the Lord is going to deliver you into my hands, and today, I'm going to take your head. Hadn't happened yet. He didn't even have a sword in his hand to do it, but it happened anyway. Faith takes our feeble abilities. It takes our blind spots of ignorance because we're ignorant in so many things. And in spite of our feebleness, in spite of the things that we just don't understand and that we just don't know, when we willingly, willingly choose to mix our faith with his word, he produces the miraculous in our lives. He produces miraculous outcomes that we never thought possible. And it's not because of who we are. It's because of who he is. It's because he is faithful to his word, to us. So I challenge you today to exercise your faith. Take him at his word and fear not. Amen. thus is the ministry of our father's heart through us our utmost desire is to be in the father's heart to know the father's heart and express the father's heart to you if you appreciate listening to this podcast and were blessed pass it along to someone else by text, email or word of mouth in the hopes that they might be positively impacted as you were if you are interested in supporting our efforts we would ask you to consider the following 1 pray for us 2 Leave a positive rating or review with whomever you listen to our podcast with. And three, if you desire to contribute monetarily, you can do so at paypal.me slash jbenjesus or cash app, dollar sign, jbenjesus or Venmo, jbenjesus. That's j-b-e-n-j-e-s-u-s. God bless.